welcome to another episode of the Half Full Reviews Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, DJ, and I'm joined by Bat Newbie. How's it going today? Uh, it's going all right. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I texted you yesterday, and I was like, the new Star Wars Tales of the Jedi show dropped, and we need to watch it. And yeah, so- and t- I, we were watching Obi-Wan at the time. And we decided, sure, why not? Because it looks like the old, like the Star Wars Clone Wars series art style, and we really love that show, so we loaded up the series, and honestly, we're pretty happy with it. Yeah, yeah, we binge-watched, we both binge-watched all six episodes in one night, um, so we could talk about it. Because, yeah, they were just short 15, right, or 18-minute episodes or something, so. They were about 18. There you go. And all there's six of them for the first season, which is cool. So it looks like they're going to be doing more. Um, and like you said, they were very much like Clone Warsy, and they were made by Dave Filoni, the creator of Clone Wars cartoons. So, uh, so they had the style of art style, but even more detailed. It, it has a much more. If you look at it the way they did it, it's a lot more of a detailed rendered style than the original Clone Wars show was. That's why you could see so much more detail in, like, the hands and the face and everything. It's because they went with a much more cinematic rendered style. Now that you mention it, you know, Ahsoka's eyes and stuff seemed very animated and very detailed. Yeah, and you're right. Like, the clone troopers, they seemed a little bit more, too, in their face and stuff. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, like, the whole character had a higher poly count and everything. Nice. Well, some of this stuff you say goes over my head, right? Because I'm not a graphic designer in that sense. I'm not like a, you know, like I can make graphics for marketing purposes, you know, and like Adobe. Yeah, this goes into the, this goes into the 3D stuff. Yeah. 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 That's outside my wheelhouse, but I appreciate it. And I, now that you mention it, I notice it. So, so yeah, I mean, today we're going to give you guys our opinion on Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, brand new released on Disney plus, um, we're just going to talk all about it, all six episodes. We'll kind of give you our feedback on it, our thoughts. As you can tell, we're we're a little bit excited. We obviously liked it, um, but uh, but I'd like and I to... refused to tell him anything before we started recording. <laughs> exactly, save it all for when we're recording. Um, now, one of the things I want to start with that I noticed right off the bat was it's not really kid friendly, not young kid friendly, and so I'll say like I feel like the first episode has a baby and it's in her mother, Ahsoka and her mother, and they kill an animal and then they stab the animal and it's, yeah. like, it's kind of violent showing like it's it's making a big deal about the violence. They're making a big deal because she turns the baby's face away and it's all about well, she like, wasn't killing making a, death. It wasn't really that she was trying to make a deal of the violence. It was that she was showing her that it was part of life and she should get used to it while she can. Before yeah. she becomes more afraid of it. Right. So, and I understand that from an adult perspective, but um, as someone who has, like, young kids, I wouldn't show that to a six-year-old or a nine-year-old in real life because I don't want them seeing stabbing with knives and stuff at that age. I don't Did care you if show it in Bambi? Right. No, no. Yeah, but my kids haven't seen Bambi either. But, uh, you know, again, oh. I'll, I'll say we're not hunters in this house. Um, you know, we actually, we care for animals and take care of them and... We don't eat red meat and we don't eat dairy. Um, so we're like, but it's not just that. It's just the fact of like the violence of it. Like you don't show that to young children because young children try to repeat what they see. They'll go try to play it and they don't know the difference between playing real life sometimes. 
you know, they have to learn that as they go. And that's not the only thing. Like, the episode two of the series with uh, Count Dooku and Qui-Gon, you know, they see people who are in despair and they're being mistreated. And then the Jedi come and there's like a little dark side stuff going on. And it's, it's just yeah, dark, they, they... It's dark and violent. And that's not made for kids. You know, kids is fun and happy-go-lucky clones and battle droids and um, Anakin going on a planet and slicing up battle droids. That's for kids. This was very... Oh, yeah. But the show also never showed itself as being one for just kids. It was more for teens and higher up. I feel like that. I feel like Dave Filoni is making content now. Um, in Clone Wars, the cartoons started going that way towards the middle seasons and kind of went leans towards older crowd. And now everything he makes these days is also aimed at an older crowd. Well, if you uh, look at how shows go, a lot of the time they advance their uh, what they're doing to reach the audience as the audience itself is getting older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'll yes. notice if you look back at other shows as well, as they go along, they start getting more and more mature as the show progresses. Right. And Even Family me- Guy has gotten a lot more dark as the years have progressed, but also the fans are a lot older. Yeah, well, I mean, you can see this in the movies, too. So in episode 4, 5, and 6, uh, episode 4 is very family-friendly. Episode 5 was a little less family-friendly because you get the Han and Leia love stuff, um, and then you yeah. get Darth Vader, and he's like, chops off someone's hand, and, like, you see the Emperor in that one, and you cut open a Tauntaun and a Bloody Wampa, so episode 5 is a little less. And then episode 6, you've got girls in bikinis, and you've got evil Emperors with deformed faces and, like, rotten teeth shooting electric, like... It just gets way more not kid-friendly for a six-year-old to watch. I'm going to say, I'm not talking about 10 and 12-year-olds. I'm talking about four, five, and six, and seven-year-olds right now. And episode one, two, and three is the same way. Episode one, totally kid-friendly. Anybody can watch that. It's battle droids and Gungans. Episode two, it's pretty much good until they chop off Jango Fett's head and then slice off Anakin's arm. You're getting a little, like, dismemberment going, which is rated M in video games. It's not rated for four, five, and six-year-olds. Um, and yeah. then you, episode three is just off the deep end, super dark, um, not kid friendly at all. Like wait until they're a young teenager before they can see that. My, my opinions, I know different parents are welcome to make different calls and different kids have different maturity. I'm not going to judge anyone. You know, different kids are matured at different rates, but for my children, uh, that's how I feel about these cartoons and these TV shows. But I also don't want to spend the whole time talking about kid friendliness because Again, I watched all six for me, and I personally enjoyed it. I was just, when I was watching it, I was judging it to see if the next day my kids could watch it, too. True. But but let's start back at, like, let's go through all the episodes, and let's hear your opinion and my opinion on it. And uh, so we'll start with episode one, was called Life and Death, and we kind of talked about it, Ahsoka and her mom, and they kill an animal. That's really the gist of it. That was, like, the whole episode, right? They find out she's Force-sensitive? Yeah, it was to show a... uh... And uh, an origin story for Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm. It was a cool one. It was cute, but it was, I think, the worst of the six episodes. What's your opinion? Yeah, it was it was cool and cute, but it there were some things that were a little weird, even for Star Wars. But honestly, for, comparing that to the rest of the show, it was very out of place compared to the rest of it. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to squeeze in a Baby Ahsoka episode just to be cute, like Baby Yoda. And then after that, they went with like characters we actually cared about, like the Dooku stuff. So we'll jump to episode two. That's with Dooku. Wow, you don't care about Ahsoka? <laughs> Ahsoka's one of my top two or three favorite Star Wars characters ever, actually. I'm a huge Ahsoka fan. 
It just it's like that's you, you don't really follow her. You follow the the family of her. Yeah, and you know what I think would have been a, fi- a way to fix this is instead of the creature that kidnaps Ahsoka and takes her home, right? Skip that part. Uh, her mom takes her hunting. That's fine. And then the Jedi show up because they find out she's force sensitive and they take her from her family. Because yeah, I was waiting for the entire time for the Jedi to show up and the episode. She, the, the elder of the village is kind of just like, she is Jedi, and then right. the episode just ends right. abruptly and, after that. And then the next two or three episodes, you know, we'll get to them, but they go into showing how the Jedi are not really all that good, and this is why people turn. Some people leave the Jedi Order. That would have fit right in showing the Jedi as the bad guys for stealing people's kids because the father and the mother were like really excited about having a baby girl and then the Jedi come and take her from them. And that would have fit more in line with how upset Count Dooku was getting later on in the show too about how Jedi... Well, there was a reason that Jedi would come in is because back before the Clone Wars, Force-sensitive children were either taken advantage of by uh, big corporations or pirates and such. Or a Sith would come by and create an apprentice. Or if the baby grew up on their own and trained in the Force, there's a high chance they became a Sith. Well, or created sense. another group. So the Jedi sense. came by to prevent any of that ha- from happening. Well, that makes sense then. So. That's oh yeah, and they really explain this to the parents it. before they take the kids. They don't just show up and take them. Right, right. So, and we get to see some of that in the Clone Wars. Um, even when Cat oh, yeah. Bane pretends to be a Jedi and takes kids from parents. You remember that episode? Yeah. When he kidnaps the three of them? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about episode two, though. It's called Justice, and it's young Count Dooku. He doesn't even have a beard yet. With young Clyde. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they go to that planet, and it's like a hostage situation. It turns out the people are in the right, and they kidnap their own senator's son um, because they're trying to make a point that they live in a crappy situation. And so Qui-Gon and Count Dooku kind of side with the people, and a fight breaks out between the senator and his soldiers and the people and Count Dooku kind of goes a little dark side and throws Qui-Gon into the wall chokes the bad guy Qui-Gon stops them from killing him you know and sends them home and then kind of sort of happy ending right yeah and I mean the dude was threatening to kill a population of people just because he wanted his son back and because they didn't mean anything to him he was the one who was supposed to be leading him to prosperity and he just pretty much told him they can burn and he was going to destroy him. So Count Dooku broke down because he was going to destroy the entire village just because they needed help. Yeah. So you really get to see the in, like Count Dooku's passion for helping people here and how, you know, and then Qui-Gon's like, well, maybe we shouldn't, you know, like I feel like Count Dooku could have de-escalated the situation, but instead he was angry and he actually wanted to fight a little bit. He wanted them to break out and fight because he really wanted to stop this bad guy from hurting people. But if he well, he knew it was one of the only ways to stop it from actually happening. And honestly, in a way, he was in the situation at hand. He was kind of right. Because that fear alongside with Senator's son is what st- would have prevented him from doing it again. Right. No, so yeah, he kind of got the mission done. He, he did what he wanted to do and fixed it. And the son said he's going to make sure his father doesn't do this anymore and that they treat the people better. But I want to talk about when Qui-Gon goes to stop him. From force choking the uh, senator, Kantuku's like going all you know crazy on the senator guy, about to ch- chop him in half probably. And Qui Gon yeah. tries to stop him, and he throws Qui Gon into the wall with the force. I think that was a mess up. 
I don't think we should have seen that much dark side in Dooku so quickly. I think it would have been great to wait for a different episode for that. Um, and have quite well, the, there's a reason for that, and uh, honestly, if you ever read a book called Legacy of the Jedi, like, it's Legends now, but the Dooku that we're seeing from the show is the same Dooku pretty much from that book series, mm-hmm. and therefore it's from the Jedi Quest series, but, uh, you, know, you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dooku, when training to be a Jedi, the way his lightsaber hilt is and everything goes into who he is. The reason he has a curved the curved lightsaber is that he he was uh, building it to be able to fight Sith, and he knew for years and years and years that the Sith would be coming back. He, uh, I believe uh, Sifo-Dyas was having visions of the Sith returning, and the Council never once believed him at all, and actually almost casted out Sifo-Dyas just because he had visions. Yeah. So, but like. I, I kind of see where he's coming from, but then him and Qui-Gon seem really buddy-buddy right after that. Like, they're very kind to each other. And then in one of the following episodes, he's very upset that Qui-Gon died. So I feel like throwing him up against the wall is what's bothering me. I feel like he could have pushed him back or held him back, but, like, it was pretty violent that he, like, really chucked Qui-Gon into the wall. That's the problem with the dark side that a lot of people don't understand. Once you reach into it, it's compl- it's not just you reaching into your anger. Your anger is reaching back into you as well. All right, so, so the so dark side is grabbing you just as much as you're grabbing it. So if you're using a dark side ability, the dark side is taking control of you as well, to an extent. Or at least it's like, yeah, it's like amplifying your anger and feeding off it. So he was already forced choking someone, so then, you know. So when Qui-Gon made a reaction like that, it was good that Dooku could alone prevent himself from doing that. Because if you notice, he, when uh, Qui-Gon and the Senator run over there... It takes an extra moment to stop him because he was just fully broken into it. He was immersed into the anger. Yeah. All right, all right. You've convinced me. I can kind of see how it fits better now. That was a good explanation. Um, all right, all right. So let's go to the next episode then. Um, oh yeah. Have you uh, have you ever heard the uh, story with Yoda reaching into the dark side? You know, I feel like I have, but you could tell it again and refresh my memory. But I do feel like I've I've heard it from somewhere. Well, I can't remember if it was uh, Dooku or the Emperor, but someone uh, had Yoda talk about if he's ever reached into the dark side, and he never once has. And then there was one time that he, I believe he tested it just to see what it was like. And uh, it would have caused so much problems in the Force on the balance, because when Yoda looked at the dark side for even a moment, it completely changed the balance to where the dark side was 100% more powerful than the light side in an instant to the point where even Sidious was terrified of turning Yoda to the dark side. That's interesting. Well, I mean, Yoda was really powerful, as we see, you know, and his species was supposed to be really powerful. So that makes sense. <clears throat> Having balance oh, everything. Yeah. I, the Force really confuses me, right? Because you have, like, legacy books and you've got um, comic books got movies and tv shows and they all really take it from a different angle sometimes like is it a living thing is it not you've got the clone war series which explores that more too um there's a lot so it's both yes and no it is a living thing but it also isn't at the same time right because then when luke explains it obi-wan in episode four and luke in episode seven to ray or episode eight to ray they talk about it more like it's just energy between living things it's not like an actual thing but then there's all this other content out there that tells you it's like 
it can grab you and control you or it has like a mind of its own almost, you know? So it does have a mind of its own and the wheel of the force. That's what the Jedi were originally supposed to be following. And that's why as the show goes on, you see Dooku get more and more furious with the council because originally the Jedi were supposed to follow the force. And then the council started becoming more in charge, even worse than they used to be. To, to the point where they were going against what the Force wanted to more follow the Senate. And that goes into the episode... Th uh, no, that would go into episode 4, wouldn't it? No, it would go into episode 3. Because they blindly wanted to uh, let the Senator get away with the transgressions that were committed because they just wanted to follow protocol with Mace Windu. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, that was interesting. You're talking about the choices episode where mace and him go to mace and dooku go to the planet to investigate the yeah Jedi. so go ahead and explain the third episode to everybody all right so yeah so mason count dooku gets sent to this planet to investigate a jedi that got killed and it's a pretty short episode i felt like it felt fast they go there they find out the jedi got ambushed they kill the guys who killed her basically and then mace windu's upset that dooku instigated and investigated and fought because they were just supposed to pick up the body and come home. When they get back, Mace Windu gets a promotion and Count Dooku doesn't. And so now Mace is on the council. And so it's kind of showing you like, you know, one of them was cared about the Jedi and what happened to him and wanted to find out. And the other one only cared about Protocol. just retrieving the body and not getting involved in anything. Which you also see the council reward, which is another reason that Bug Dooku is that he did what the Force was telling him to do because he followed the truth and followed what inside of him was telling him to do. And Mace Windu would have just let the planet just destroy itself. And then he even tells him, you could have told the Jedi what was going on here. And none of them believed the Jedi would do anything because at that point, the Jedi were so far gone that it was pointless to ask him for help. It was an interesting episode. I'd say it was like the second or third worst. And I, I keep saying the word worst, but I liked them all. It's just like, you know, the first episode with Ahsoka was a little slower. This one just wasn't too exciting. It kind of made a point and showed us a little bit more. But I mean, I don't know. The relationship between Dooku and Mace just isn't all that exciting for me. And then the, the other episode that I didn't like a whole lot was like the slower one with Ahsoka, the very last episode, which we'll get to in a second, with the farming and the betrayal of Ahsoka. Like, that was cool and all. Um... But I, I don't know. Well, maybe it was better than I give it. No, because I'm mixing episode 5 and episode 6 now of, the, of this series. So we'll get to it in a second. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright. Um, anything else to say about that Choices episode, though, with the Mace Windu and Count Dooku? Which one do you think is a better fighter? If they fought each other. Uh, honestly... In a one-on-one -on -one fight, either one could technically win. Because Mace Windu is technically stronger than Dooku, but Dooku's entire style is about fighting another opponent with a saber. Mm -hmm. Even his lightsaber, the curved hilt, allows him for a better stance to disarm other opponents. Yeah, and, and at this point, he's fought more Jedi than, than uh, Windu has. And... But Windu created an entire fighting style to combat Dark Force users. And then in episode two, Anakin or Obi-Wan are joking, and they say that uh, be like a master swordsman like Mace Windu, like be him because he's the best. But Count Duke was also kind of known for being the best swordsman. So it's kind of funny that you have two really good swordsmen. That's why I brought up the question. I was just like, who would win, you know? 
have to be a close one. It would honestly, with that one, it would depend on who's writing because you could have either one win and it would be lore accurate. Yeah. Well, I I'd honestly have to say Mace Windu would win most of the time because if Do if Dooku uses the dark side, the Vapad system, the fighting style, I believe, is what Windu uses, actually turns your uh, dark side powers into strength for him. And that's why he's able to fight the Emperor so well. It's because the Emperor only uses the dark side. But Dooku, the thing is, is if he used the light side against Windu, then uh, he could actually fight him and possibly win because there's nothing for Windu to feed off of. That's really interesting. So, And if you guys want to learn more about like the fighting styles and lightsaber styles, you, you kind of keep hearing us bring these up whenever we talk about Star Wars, but they're there. You can go read about all the different styles and... Lots of Jedi came up with their own styles, you know, that were unique to them, one of a kind. Um, they're interesting. So it definitely helps explain some of the stuff that you see sometimes, you know, because they don't explain uh, it yeah. in any of the shows or movies usually. So. I believe there's six or seven forms, and then a Jedi learns off of those. And you'll actually see, uh, if you watch Star Wars Rebels, Obi-Wan uses a, I believe, form three or two. And then uh, once he goes to fight Maul, for the final battle, he switches to the style Qui-Gon Jinn uses to finish him off, just as a uh, kind of symbolization for Qui-Gon. That's interesting. Yeah, that's why you see it's so important that he changes his style right there, right before the fight fully starts. That's cool. And that was in Rebels, you said? Yeah. And Star Wars Rebels was also done by Dave Filoni, and that takes place after the Clone Wars ones, you know, but before the episodes 4, 5, and 6, before those original... Um, trilogy of the movies. Correct. Um, all right, so let's jump to the next episode. This one, episode four, the Sith Lord, was I think the best and my favorite. Um, but what, what do you think? What do you? What was your favorite episode? It it was pretty great, yeah. Because you see uh, Dooku, you see his emotions finally take o take over him. He's done with the Council. It finally shows why he's just tired of everything. And just how all of his connections with the Jedi Temple were severed in just a few moves. Mm -hmm. Which so, also so, shows the meticulous planning of Sidious. Yeah, Sidious has got it going on here. He's definitely got the train and apprentice, turn it to the dark side thing. You know, rinse, wash, and repeat. You know, he knows how to do it. <laughs> but but let's talk about the, the whole episode. Let's break it down. So the first thing is he goes into the Jedi Archives. And we see confirmation of him actually doing this now. He pretends to be Sifo-Dyas and removes Kamino from the archives, which is important to Attack of the Clones, the movie, because in there, they, they're like, oh, someone removed it. Uh, and then they go to see the Kamino and the clones, and they find out it's Master Sifo-Dyas placed the order. So this confirms for us that Count Dooku is doing it on behalf of Sidious and pretending to be Sifo-Dyas for those acts. Oh, yeah. Um, which is cool. And then, you know, Qui-Gon shows up, and this confused my wife for just a quick second because she's like, Oh, he fought a dark Jedi. And I'm like, no, that was Darth Maul. She's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, this is right in the middle of episode one. This is this this episode takes place in the middle of episode one. He fought Darth Maul and Tatooine. The Jedi Council says right here they don't believe really that it's a Sith, and so they send Qui-Gon by himself to Naboo. Or they don't. Qui-Gon decides to go on his own because no one will help him. And he dies. Which Yeah, no, Count... the only one that goes with him is Obi. Yep, and Count Dooku's pissed now. He's like, You guys didn't believe Qui-Gon, we told you there was Sith. Now my, my apprentice and long-term friend Qui-Gon's dead. I'm pretty upset with the council here. He goes to see Sidious. And the council showed no 
care, honestly. The, the, that show doesn't show it, but you see it in a lot of the movies and other media. Mm-hmm. The council just showed no care towards it because it wasn't the way of the Jedi to show that kind of emotion. Yeah, it really wasn't. You have to let it go, right? And then Yaddle and Count Dooku are in the courtyard, you know, right, checking out a tree that Qui-Gon used to like, you know. But right before he goes to see Sidious, him and Yaddle are talking. And Yaddle seems kind of compassionate. Um also, Yaddle is like, is she Yoda's species? Or is she just similar? Yes, yeah, so Yoda, uh, Yaddle is 448 at this time, or 443 around that age. And I didn't know how she died before this. I knew that she died between episodes 1 and 2, meaning, like, uh, the Phantom Medicine and Attack of the Clones. But she's in, she's on the Council in episode 1, and she's not in episode 2. And this, take, this takes place during episode 1, where she dies now, we know. This cartoon takes oh, yeah, and the council never learns what happens to her. For them, they kind of just she kind of just vanishes. That's crazy, right? But we find out now that she follows Dooku to find Sidious, and Sidious is like, "You have to kill Yaddle to prove yourself." There's a lot more that goes into this, right? There's a lot more emotion, like there's a lot more topic and discussion. You know, we don't have to like break down. Yeah, but we want to give but... we want to give you something to watch as well. <laughs> exactly. If you haven't seen it. Exactly right, but this is where Dooku turns to the dark side completely, right? He actually just this is his moment. To so. Decide. There, yes and no. So there's a lot more to it to Dooku than just that. So the problem is, is if you ever notice, Dooku is the only uh, Sith to never have his eyes change colors. And the reason is that Dooku never actually embraces the dark side because he's doing it all to clean the galaxy up and make it have order whether it's through the Empire or some other system. Mm-hmm. So Dooku never truly delves into the dark side itself, and that's why he never changes eye color. Yeah, so he's technically a, just a gray, a very, very dark side-friendly gray Jedi. He is interesting. He does seem to show compassion now and again, even in the Clone Wars, not a lot of it, but you see a glimpse sometimes where like he works with Jedi and stuff. Um, or yeah. Jedi, or he lets people go. Like He's not like a terrible, terrible guy like Grievous is, you know, or like Anakin becomes. But Oh yeah, he does what he needs to to fulfill his goals. Right, and then he truly believes that he's going to help make the galaxy better with Sidious, um, which I couldn't get out of my head the fight scene between Anakin and Count Dooku in Revenge of the Sith where Anakin chops his head off right in front of Sidious, and Sidious tells him to kill Count Dooku, and Count Dooku feels so betrayed, you can just see it in his eyes. He's like, what? But we were doing something together. So, oh, yeah. You know, and Sidious is like, kill him now. You know, and Anakin takes his head off, you know, and right after taking his hands off, you know, like, poor Dooku. He's just trying to make the galaxy a better place here, and he gets the raw deal. He gets, leaves the I mean, in fairness, he, he, he did some really terrible things. Like, really, really terrible things. Mm-hmm. But you want to like him, especially watching this series. You you try to feel they try to make you feel compassionate for Dooku and try to understand where he's coming from. Um, but of oh course, yeah, because he's he's a misunderstood villain. Yeah, the best kind. So the the next two episodes really shifts away from everything that was going on with that for the most part. I feel we leave Dooku behind. Um, Practice makes perfect is episode five, and it seems all about Anakin and Ahsoka. Which is kind of a cool glimpse, I guess. I'm not sure we needed 18 minutes of it. Um, but we got to see Anakin training Ahsoka more rigorously than any other Padawan. 
And what well, I it, yeah, it explains why Ahsoka was able to be as good as she was. Because if you notice in the Clone Wars, she got this massive ability buff. Like, she was very, very powerful really quick. And this shows why. And it shows Anakin's style of teaching. And just why they were able to be alive so much better than all of the other Jedi who would go into war. Other than, like, Obi-Wan and plot armor characters. Mm-hmm. I, hey, I liked it, because Ahsoka is really powerful. She does outlive a lot of Jedi. She kicks, she fights Vader. She fights uh, Maul. She fights, like, all these other people that other Jedi fail to beat. And she stands oh, up yeah. against them all. So she's obviously powerful. This shows us that Anakin helped make her that powerful by pushing her really hard. You know, and we actually see in this, they knock her unconscious repeatedly, training her against clone troopers, where normally they use, like, shock droids in the Jedi Temple little remotes and stuff so he took it to the next level and was like almost abusive training but he did it because he wanted her to be so strong that she could fight real people right because he said it's a matter of life and death and if you can't do it here like he's afraid he's gonna lose her and i think that's my real takeaway from it was he's afraid to lose her because he loves indeed and honestly if you watched a lot of the other jedi and how easily they went down you can see why you know, he's just, he, he's afraid to lose anyone, right? He's afraid to lose Obi-Wan. He's afraid to lose his mom. He's afraid to lose Padme. He's afraid to lose Ahsoka. And this is one person he could train so that he wouldn't have to lose her. And technically, he never yeah. does lose her. She outlives him. So. And what sucks is a lot of the stuff that happens that could have been prevented, the, the council could have easily stopped a lot of the losses he went across. But... They had this rule in this era of no compassion. But if you look at it, the old school Jedi, they were actually allowed to have more compassion. They weren't supposed to, but even in some of the cases during some of the years, they were allowed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I liked this episode. It was cool. I, I like anything with Anakin and Ahsoka. They're two of my favorite characters. So that was cool. And then we see the next one. The final episode was Padme's funeral. Ahsoka shows up. You see Bail Organa. Um, let's see. She, uh, yeah, Ahsoka goes into hiding and becomes a farmer, and someone betrays her. Uh, I think an Inquisitor shows up at this point, and we get to see Ahsoka, how powerful she is. She doesn't even have a lightsaber on her. She fights She him. just beats him in, like, ten seconds. I know! She's like, dodge, dodge, grabs his lightsaber, turns it off, turns it back on, slices the guy's head off or whatever. She's like... Oh, yeah ninjutsu ahsoka against you know an inquisitor and then she goes back into hiding and boom end of season one. Oh yeah the only thing about that episode that bugs me is the dude who betrays her the angle they show him at there's no way he would have heard the conversation mm. so yeah, that a little farther away that really kind of set me off and disconnected me from the episode because if they're going to do that, they need to have the character at least close enough to hear the situation. Or it's a big plot flaw. And it and it's not hard to notice something like that. Yeah, it did seem really far away. So. Well, it was like five houses, three, like three to five houses away from them. And he heard them whisper. And, you know, but you're, you're also like a, you're a graphic artist, 3D graphic artist. And you do sound stuff as well. Like, I feel like, like you do lighting and stuff. So like lighting is, has this kind of thing too, right? Like the way shadows. Yeah. You have to pay attention to every little detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that kind of thing would bother you more than the average watcher. 
but I feel like it was pretty obvious. I mean, like you said. Uh, average a lot of people I know who play games have the same issues when it comes to stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. My wife's actually a photographer and videographer. Um, so, oh, nice. Yeah, so she, whenever we're watching movies, live-action TV shows and movies, she's like, oh, this is how they did that. You know, one of the cool things I'll bring up is like, um, you you may already know this, you probably do, but I haven't been on a lot of movie sets or TV sets, so um, when they're sitting people in a car and they're talking to each other and they go back from one face to the next face, left and right, it's because they actually shoot the same scene twice and they have a camera guy in the opposite seat and then they paste the two scenes together to make a conversation. That's how you never see a cameraman. Oh, yeah. So that kind of Although stuff. Although I wish they would take uh, some, on some cases, I wish they would take more shots from like uh, Japanese movies or Chinese movies with their fighting where they will have an open shot where they'll, you'll actually just see both characters at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they'll do that sometimes by removing the hood of the car and record from the front of the car. Oh, nice. Yeah, so all Not the, 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 the uh, windshield. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay. I can see that happening. That makes sense. But just, it's just that kind of stuff is cool to me. I like seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff and learning how they do things. I don't know. I find it interesting. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's really fun to learn that stuff. Uh, if you want to learn a lot of more, a lot more stuff, uh, look up Corridor Crew. Yeah, yeah. What do those guys do? They're uh, VFX artists on YouTube, and they go through and w- watch uh, anime movies, uh, animated movies, regular movies, talk about the VFX on how and how they did them, have guest stars that tell you how they did the stunts, the VFX, and a bunch of other stuff like that, as well as they create entire live-action uh, series for Corridor, their uh, other channel. Nice. So it's a behind-the-scenes entire channel teaching you a bunch of VFX and movie stuff. Well, that is cool. Well, since we're speaking about YouTube channels, um, Half Full Reviews has a YouTube channel and so do you. Uh, so what's what's your YouTube channel? Uh, Bat No BX. Because Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion of Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. And we look forward to talking about anything else that comes out like us, man. Maybe we get to season two or something, we're going to do the same thing with that one. Because you and I are both huge Star Wars fans. Oh, yeah. For sure. So other than that, we will see you guys next time. Have a good day. Thank you.